Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Good evening, everyone. I hope you are ready to drift off into slumberland. For we must all return back to ashes so that we can rise a better and stronger person in the morning. Before I begin reading tonight's stories, I would like to give a very special shout out to Innerscare and Innerscare Wifey. Innerscare and Wifey, thank you so much for the encouragement to start a sleep channel. Thank you so much for being the best newfound friends I could ever have. With that being said, if you all would, at some point, down in the comments, please show them some love. I'm not sure if it will be for everybody, but I will be trying something new this evening. I will be setting these stories to the sound of rain on a tin roof. I don't know about you, but it is true sleep medication for me. With that being said, let's get started with tonight's eight true scary stories. So a little background on myself. I'm a 20-year-old female college student on break for the holidays. My parents took a short four-day trip out of town. So me and my sister, who's also 18, got stuck on dog-sitting duty. We have three Cavalier King Charles Spaniel dogs, two females and one male, all in between the ages of one to two. The male, named Cheese, has an obsession with these rubber balls. Some background on this dog, Cheese. His behavior could be described as erratic and hyper. He is the type of dog to chase shadows, lights, flies, obsessively lick us, and just has always been a little more stranger than our two other dogs. In other words, he has very obsessive, erratic behavior. One of his obsessions is a specific type of rubber ball that he loves to squeeze in his mouth as it makes a squeaking sound. It is the only toy he has that he is majorly obsessed with. We have bought him a handful of these balls because they go missing occasionally. They roll under furniture or get lost outside. After a certain amount of time, we put the balls up in a designated spot, a flower pot up on the mantle in Cheez-Its view, because if not, he will literally chew on this ball all night or tear up the couch looking for it if he does not see us put his ball away in the flower pot. This particular weekend, he has had the same ball the whole time because we have kept it near for when he decides 
He wants it, or up in the flower pot for us, to easily find where it is when it's time to play. Typically, the ball will roll under the couch in the living room multiple times while he is playing. We go through the same routine where he scratches at the floor to let us know the ball has rolled underneath. We are able to get the ball with the designated back scratcher. It is a long arm that extends. That we use specifically to recover his balls that have rolled under something. In addition, we use a flashlight to see the ball because it is a dark area under the couch. All weekend, my sister and I have been retrieving this ball for him as it is a normal occurrence in our house that the ball will roll under the couch. However, we only saw this single ball every time we went to retrieve it from under the couch. There were no other balls under this specific couch. We had not seen any of his other balls the entire weekend, just the one he had been playing with. The other handful of balls were unaccounted for. Last night, my sister and I put on a movie for the night around 9 p.m. Around an hour and a half into the movie, I look over and Cheese is acting not like himself. He is acting extremely calm, too calm for his normal erratic behavior. Cutting the movie short, I carried him outside to go potty and just cuddled him all night because I knew the poor guy wasn't feeling good. But... I knew he just needed to sleep it off. Like I said, his ball is his favorite toy, so I took that ball and put it next to him as he slept just to give him more comfort. I turned off the lights in the house and cleaned up the living room and headed to bed with him and the two other girl dogs, who were completely normal by the way. Cheese was the only one acting different. They are very attached dogs, so the girls sleep under the covers by my feet and didn't move positions all night, as I do wake up during my sleep a few times occasionally and could feel them still there. I also could check on Cheese, as he stayed put in the same position with his ball next to him all night. Now this is the unexplainable part. When I wake up, Cheese is completely back to his normal erratic self. I get up, grab his ball, and put it in my hoodie pocket to give it to him after he's finished breakfast. He won't eat his food if he sees his ball. I walk out to the living room, and on the floor right next to the couch, there are three of his balls in a triangle formation sitting there. Remember, I was the last person in the living room last night after tidying it up, and there was nothing there. I go to my sister's room to ask her, Hey, did you find three of Cheese's balls and put them next to the couch last night? She responds, Um, no. We were the only two people in this house, so who found the extra balls? And why were they all gathered next to each other? I know it couldn't have been one of the dogs because they were with me all night. Keep in mind, there were no extra balls under the couch, and these balls were unaccounted for all weekend. So now... I have four of these balls, including the one he has had all weekend. Where did these extra balls come from? Who placed them there? I haven't seen another ball in days. I keep breaking my mind trying to think of a logical answer, but I cannot. This is truly unexplainable, and I am creeped out. Between 1987 and 1989... I worked at a very popular clothing boutique 
called Marigold Round, located in the Grand Avenue Mall in downtown Milwaukee. That job in that mall attracted a wild assortment of characters, from celebrities that were in Milwaukee for concerts and films, suburban kids and parents having a foray in the city, to hardened drug dealers who were looking to relieve themselves of copious amounts of extra cash. The recipe for merry-go-round success was simple. Hire a really attractive staff, play the most popular music, and let the staff flirt their way to as many sales as possible. Every day was an adventure going to work, but little did I suspect how impactful one day would ultimately prove to be. One day, sometime between 88 and 89, I had just gotten off the city bus on Wisconsin Avenue. I walked towards the main entrance of the mall and noticed some scrubby-looking guy watching me intently. This guy had on an olive-colored army-issue jacket, one that looked like it was from the 70s, with very greasy, slicked-back hair and a very unkept, stubbled face. My immediate thought was he was probably some homeless wacko, of whom I was immediately dubious. His back propped against the Woolworths that was attached to the mall, and his gaze was disturbingly focused on me. While a couple of paces away from him, he asked me if I had a cigarette, to which I replied, I don't smoke. I passed him in stride, figuring that was the end of that encounter. I couldn't have been more wrong. This dude had come behind me and said, Actually, I'm new in town, and I'm looking for a good time. I'll never forget the feeling that I had been assaulted. His presence was one that both enraged and disgusted me. I turned abruptly and responded, What the F did you just say? Instantly, the guy turned and walked rapidly away from me. I stood for a moment staring in his direction, shocked and baffled as to what had just transpired. I regained my composure and headed into the mall. As I rode the escalator to the second level, I remember vilely cursing under my breath, calling him every manner of name I felt described him, his audacity and the situation. In the summer of 1991, I was a soldier stationed in Berlin, Germany. I remember hearing vague details of some nut cannibalizing people in Milwaukee. To be truthful, I didn't pay much attention to the story initially. I also remember hearing about some new movie that they wouldn't show in Milwaukee because of recent events. I didn't know anything about the movie, so I couldn't connect the dots as to why Silence of the Lambs would be such a controversial film of that city. One evening, I was home watching the news several months later, and there was footage of Jeffrey Dahmer being led into court. He wore an orange prison jumpsuit, his greasy hair was slicked back, and he had an unkept five o'clock shadow. In that instance, my mind raced back to the day I encountered this same man I was now watching on my television. From then on, I paid a lot more attention to the story. I learned that the man responsible for getting him arrested was someone Dahmer had picked up at the Grand Avenue Mall, where I worked those years ago. It seemed an irony to me that if he hadn't left my presence so swiftly that afternoon, I probably would have gone to jail that day for whooping his ass. At the beginning of 1992, 
I decided to pursue a career in modeling. My newly acquired agent called me and asked me if I'd be interested in being in a movie, and of course, I said I would. I auditioned and landed my first role in a film called The Innocent that was starring Anthony Hopkins. In late May of 1992, I was on set for the first time. The director, the incredible gracious John Schlesinger, walked me over to introduce me to Mr. Hopkins, who had just won his Academy Award a month or so earlier for his portrayal of Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs. Mr. Schlesinger said, Big Tony, Hopkins. Meet little Tony, me. Without missing a beat, Hopkins shook my hand and stated, Don't worry, I usually don't eat people until after lunch. Of course, I was obliged to recount my Dahmer encounter with him at that time. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com. He had me retell that story to several people throughout the course of our filming. So, far as I know, I'm the only person to have survived both Jeffrey Dahmer and Hannibal Lecter without so much as a tooth mark. Me and my best friend in college went from Alabama to Atlanta, Georgia a bunch of times to shop, go to Six Flags, eat, whatever. But one time we were coming back super late after midnight. Once you're past noon in Georgia on I-85 going toward Alabama, there is a good stretch of nothing, but we got hungry and got off because the interstate sign said there was a Wendy's. We turned left as the sign said and went across the bridge and didn't see a Wendy's but kept driving. We were nearly 20 minutes down the road talking and realized there was no restaurant. The road we were on bent to the right and was a T-intersection stop sign. There was another interstate sign saying I-85 to the right. We said okay and turned right and that we would just go back to the interstate and go up to another exit to find food. After five minutes down the road, though, there was an empty gas station in the Wendy's and it was open. We thought, okay, that was a ways to get there from the interstate 25 minutes ago, but 
whatever. We also needed gas, so we went there first. Another vehicle pulls up at the pump across from us, and the old guy gets out, freezes, and stares silently like a horror movie at me pumping gas. He left before me, which seemed quick. My soul shivered, but I finished, and we went into the Wendy's drive through The server at the speaker and window sounded like a tired robot, and also stared at us blankly, like a zombie without blinking. We waited and got our food and couldn't wait to leave. Just before driving off, I look at the gas station again, and the same creepy man is there, in the same spot staring at us, in the Wendy's line completely silent and still. We turned right quickly on that same road, going the same direction, toward where it said the interstate would be. We seemed to drive longer than we thought without the interstate popping up, and decided to just turn around and retrace our drive. We went back the opposite direction looking for the Wendy's, so that we knew about how far the left turn would be, but before you know it, there the left turn was. No gas station, no Wendy's. We turned left anyway and went back to the interstate just like we came and ate our ghost Wendy's in silence. Halfway home before having the gumption to ask each other if that just happened. Today I was hanging out with my friend's girlfriend. We went to a local park near the beach and we sat in the sound shell minding our own business. My friend had lost their voice, so they could not speak. I've had multiple instances in the past with children from our old primary school. Some people my age came up, calling my name. I flipped them off, not wanting to deal with them. They continued to approach me. People have attacked me before, and I was already shaking with fear. Now, only three kids approached me. But in the background, there were more kids, maybe four or five of them, with scooters or bikes. Only when I was talking to police about the assault, the kids attempted to take wallets and phones from me and my friend, I realized these were faceless kids. Soon after, me and my friend ran off, to which the faceless kids disappeared. These kids have appeared only in my dreams. I have been remembering my dreams vividly and in detail lately, in so much detail. I'm planning on writing a book about the dreams. Anyway, the people in my dreams are strange. I'm not saying they are creepy, but they aren't right. Human, yes, but they aren't correct, in a way. Adults in my dreams have faces and can talk, but children are faceless. They cannot speak or interact with me at all. Only children I have met in the past or who I know can have faces and personality. But the faceless kids I cannot go near at all. They only appear in the background, my peripherals, or if they are three or more meters away from me. The closest I have been to a faceless kid is in one dream. One was beside me and another behind me. We were so close we could have touched, but we did not. I'm not sure what happens when I touch a faceless kid, and I'm not sure if I can or will ever try, but there is some other things about the faceless kids. Another incident I have had with them in real life is I once was beat up in a school car park, 
This is not too relevant. Um, all right. The only problem I have with it is these kids weren't even punished. But, and an hour after school finished, three to four kids chased me down and attacked me in the car park. Three to four kids actually were there. The problem is, I saw and heard a lot more kids, all calling my name and laughing. These faceless kids did not interact with me at all. But I saw and heard up to eight kids there. And that's the scary part. All I need to tell you is, if you see a faceless kid, do not interact. They are merely onlookers. Next time I dream, I will try to interact with them. And I will keep you updated if I see them again. But, if you have seen these kids, tell me. I want to know what's happening with them. A quick update. These dreams have since stopped. They went from very detailed and vivid to very foggy and vague. This has made me think of them as a warning. I don't know. It's pretty strange. I have never thought I went through so much in my childhood. I thought everything that happened was normal. That every family was like this. That it was perfect. It wasn't until I left home at age 17 and moved into another family's home that I realized that it was all effed up. I reflected upon my life because the saying is true. In order to move forward, you must confront the past. Unfortunately, it unlocked monstrous memories that I hid away for years. This is one of my stories, and it starts when I was only a nine-year-old girl. I live in Australia, in an urban area. I used to live in a four-room house. Not very big, but big enough for six people, and with a crappy, small backyard. No grass in sight, only weeds and gravel. The house had myself, my mom, my two older brothers, my baby brother, and him, my mother's fat-ass boyfriend. Also, my beautiful old black cat named Puss in Boots. Rest in peace, my little protector. It all started when my two older brothers left home. When my brothers left, he knew nobody else would protect me, not even my own mother. After school, I did my chores. When I didn't perform my chores to perfection, then go back to my room, he would yell out how useless I was, how I was a effin' B-word for not getting it right the first time when mom wasn't around. I stayed in my room all day long and got distracted by playing games, drawing, or anything to get his words out of my head. I loved my room. There was a loft bed. It had wooden walls surrounding the bottom with a built-in desk. When I pulled the desk out, I could squeeze through the hole to get into a small room underneath my bed. It was my safe zone when I couldn't control my anxiety. It was nice and cozy with pillows everywhere. During the night, I would say goodbye to mom when she left for work and watch her as she pulled out the garage in her taxi. I went back inside and sat on my floor drinking tea in my room while playing video games. I had a big window with wave curtains on my left and my desk was up against it. Puss would sit on the desk and have her little naps. I heard gravel crunching outside my window, and in the corner of my eye, a shadowy figure stood outside near my window. 
pushed that up and glared out the window. I didn't think anything of it. I was up late, so I thought it was my sleepless mind making up monsters and sounds to tell me to get to bed, and I thought Puss might have seen a moth. I kept on playing, then heard gravel crunching away from my window. Puss finally settled down and jumped into bed. I still didn't find anything strange or abnormal and went to bed with her. I slept like a baby. The next day was the same. I went to school, came home to do chores, said goodbye to mom, got verbally abused by him, and hid in my room and played with my old cat, Puss, and played video games. I stopped playing video games and turned everything off, so it was only the moonlight that lit my room. I went to the toilet, and when I came back into my room, the figure was there again, outside my window. I still thought it was just my mind because I was a kid with a wild imagination and suffered from night terrors every night. I climbed into bed and tried to relax my heart from beating so fast. Puss was outside at that time and I could only sleep if she was with me, so I laid in bed staring at the figure staring at me. I then got startled by the sound of a cat hissing and angry meows from outside my window. The figure was moving and I heard mumbling of slurs outside my window. Vividly I remembered, effing stupid cat. My anxiety was high, so I hid in my little room and calmed down my nerves. I finally realized that it was real. The figure I saw was actually a person. When I calmed down, I exited my room. As dumb as it sounds, but true. I went outside and searched the backyard with my torch. There wasn't anyone there but Puss sitting on a chair licking her paws. I investigated near my window, and scarily, I could have easily looked through my window. Doesn't matter if the blinds were closed or not. Puss and I went inside and went back to bed. The next day, Mom dropped me off at home from school and went straight to work. I walked in and saw him sitting on the couch. As a person with anxiety, I can't help but to glance around and take in every detail. But, when I noticed, he had claw marks all over his legs. I rushed into my room and didn't do my chores. I hid in my little room and stayed in there all day long. I couldn't understand why he was watching me through my window. I felt endangered. Not only was he verbally abusing me, but... He was also stalking me at night. I went straight to bed with Puss. He wasn't there this time. I felt relieved and slept soundly, but for some reason, hours into my sleep, I felt uneasy and woke up. My heart dropped and I was frozen with fear since I slept in a loft bed. The shadow figure and I were at eye level. At first... I thought it was my sleep paralysis demon, but then my eyes adjusted to the dark, and it was him watching me sleep. In the darkness, it looked like his eyes were bleeding with black ooze. I forced my legs or even my feet to move so I could wake up Puss. His hand got closer and closer, and finally, my lower body slightly spasmed and woke up Puss. She took a few minutes to realize what was happening, and then she started hissing and meowing loudly at him, and he vanished. 
Puss slept near my head from that night, staying on guard. The next day was the weekend. Mom and I went out of town to see family members. He and my baby brother stayed home. I thought it would be the perfect time to tell Mom what's been going on. We were in a safe space. Well, that's what I thought anyways. I told Mom that he was calling me slurs for not doing my chores perfectly, then telling her he was stalking me in my room. She yelled at me, told me to shut the F up, and she was saying how I was destroying her happiness, just like how my older sister was, telling lies about him to get him kicked out. It was odd because Mom caught him cheating multiple times, but was still with him. She knew they were real, but refuses to believe such bullcrap. After visiting my family out of town, Mom dropped me off at home to go to a mate's place. She was still unimpressed and disappointed with me. It was late, so I decided to have a shower before bed as usual. When the moonlight is bright, I love keeping the blinds open and leave the lights off in the room, even during showers. I found it relaxing and peaceful. It's hard to believe when I suffered from night terrors and imagined monsters in the dark, but the dazzling moonlight was my friend. I exited from the shower and I felt a strange feeling that I was being watched. I look out the window, but nothing was there. I stare and stare and stare. I then noticed something different. Something was off. There was a blackness where there shouldn't have been. There was nothing covering the bottom left corner of the window to be black. I looked away and dry myself off and stare back again, but the blackness vanished. I could see out the corner clearly. I widened my eyes and closed the blinds. He was there. He was watching me. A little girl showering in the bright moonlight. I sat hidden in the locked, dark bathroom. I curled into a ball and waited until I unfroze from terror, then rushed into my room with my dirty clothes on. When I entered my room, I turned the lights on and took my dirty clothes off. I was butt naked and searching for clean clothes in my room. Of course, I've forgotten I could easily look through my window with ease. I changed into clean, cozy clothes and turned off my lights, then the gravel crunched. That moment, I realized he was watching. How long has he been watching? Why is he watching me? He was there, staring into my room like a deer in the headlight. I couldn't move. It took great force, but eventually I got into my little room and I just hid. Again, curling into a ball and silently suffering. No one would help me. No one believes me. No one would listen. I kept repeating it in my head. This story is one of my lost memories. I now remembered how scared and hopeless I was. I kept it for a secret for years because how can others help if my own mother won't help me? I kept it so long that I've forgotten how traumatizing it was for my own sake. I suffered from him peering into my window and entering my room to watch me sleep for years. And over those years, I grew paranoid of windows and having my door unlocked. Mom and I finally moved out when I was 16 years old. 
But even after moving out of his house, to this day, I always feel like someone is watching me outside my window. Always watching. I want to start off by saying that everything I've written down here is true. None of it was made up. I'm not a scary story writer or anything. I just need to share this experience with someone, and I'm afraid of how the people around me would react. Me and my girlfriend like to use recreational drugs sometimes. They're called research chemicals. On Friday, July 29, 2022, we used some uppers. The ones we used give you a rush in energy, but have no psychedelic or hallucination-inducing effects. We had a great time and slept it off the next day, both of us waking up late in the afternoon. We had a good breakfast, and then Netflix and chilled for a while. She lives in a studio apartment and has pet rats, so we can't smoke inside because they have sensitive lungs. The building she lives in has a public balcony, so that's where we went out to smoke about every hour or so. It was a small balcony on the second floor, with wood railings and a stone floor overlooking the neighborhood. The building's rule was that nobody was allowed on the balcony after 10 p.m. We didn't really give a crap about the rule, and neither did anybody else, so we'd smoke there in the evenings too. It was a Saturday night, July 30th, that we went for a smoke outside again. Must have been half past midnight. We were reminiscing about the day before. About halfway through our cigarettes, I suddenly heard a weird noise very far in the background. I couldn't quite put my finger on it, and since we were having a conversation, I tried to ignore it. It stopped after a couple of seconds. I noticed it stopped, but paid no mind. When our cigarettes were done, we were still just standing on the balcony talking when I suddenly heard the sound again and immediately asked my girlfriend to be quiet. Why? She asked. I responded with, Shh. I was listening to what that sound was, and as it was now quiet, I was able to hear it more clearly. After a few seconds, I realized what I was hearing and I felt a cold chill running down my spine, like my soul got sucked down through the floor. My whole face went pale. I hear a woman screaming, I said. She laughed at first, and jokingly asked if I was higher on something. I told her to shut up for a second and really listen. She noticed how dead serious I was, and she turned her ear towards the end of the balcony, and... As she heard it, I saw her face turn just as pale. That's a woman screaming, she said. Our first thoughts were that somehow we had taken some really bad drugs and had some kind of weird, shared psychosis after effect. We immediately checked if we had any symptoms of overdosing or after effects. No sweats, no high heart rate or fatigue, no crazy thoughts. Both of us were able to think and talk clearly. We concluded that the sound we were hearing, a woman screaming, was in fact real. The reason this struck us was because it wasn't a normal kind of scream. It wasn't somebody getting scared or mugged or whatever. This scream was different 
It echoed. It carried a hopelessness in its tone. It sounded so vague and far away, like it was carried to us by the winds. The scream sounded like somebody screamed their soul out of their body and into the sky. Both of us nailed to the floor. We kept listening in silence. Some loud teenagers were cycling home, probably from a bar or something, and screaming at each other. Both of us could finally breathe again. Well, that was the logical conclusion. Just some loud kids, she said. I initially agreed, but when they were far beyond what we could hear, the screams came back again, their sound even more desperate now. I did not hesitate and immediately called emergency services. I explained to them what we had heard and how it had affected us. They told us they're sending a police car over. We were outside in the parking lot near the main entrance waiting for them, still hearing these faraway screams. The police arrived at a quarter to one. Two officers, a male officer and a female officer, introduced themselves and asked us to explain in detail what we had experienced. So we told them exactly what we had heard and where we heard it from. The male officer didn't take it too seriously and tried to ease out of it by saying it was probably just mating frogs. Apparently, they make a scream-like sound when mating. The male officer took us more serious and stood with us listening, and very faintly, like whoever was screaming was running out of energy and time. We heard her again. So did the female officer. She immediately contacted the station and they set out a search and rescue. We were thanked for reporting this and they left. For me, it wasn't done yet though. We sat back down on the balcony and kept listening. As we were sitting there, the night sky turned a pulsating blue from all the police cars driving around, trying to find this screaming woman. We sat there just listening to the continued screaming, hoping it would stop when they found her. It must have been about 20 minutes later, almost half past one, that the screams finally stopped. My hopes were that the police had found her and that she was safe, but deep down, I had a feeling that she wasn't. That Wednesday, I was at my mother's house for dinner. She lives in the same town as me. During dinner, I told her what we had experienced and how frightening it was. My mother stood up without saying a word, walked over to the living room, grabbed that day's paper and handed it over to me. Woman found dead under fallen tree, the headline read. I was shocked. I felt my eyes filling up with tears and said with a shaky voice, I heard this woman die. Against my better judgment, I kept reading. The 47-year-old woman was on a midnight walk in the woods last Saturday night when a tree fell over and crushed her legs. Local authorities believe the woman may have survived for several hours before succumbing to her injuries. She had been dead for almost 72 hours before she was found. The police refused to share further details as to her identity or passing. There was more in the article, but I could not and refused to read it through my tears. I did not have it in me to share this with my girlfriend out of fear of how she would take it. But that's not the most disturbing part of all of this. 
I live alone, and sometimes when I'm in bed and can't sleep at half past midnight, I can still hear her screaming. Sometimes my doorbell rings in the middle of the night, but when I go to check, there's never anybody there. I had a camera doorbell installed, and the only thing I caught on camera was the sound of my doorbell ringing. Sometimes I hear a weird knocking sound like somebody is banging on wood. Stuff in my house seems to relocate itself, such as clothing, food, and tools. My fridge door sometimes opens by itself. Whenever I look at my kitchen door, it feels like something is watching me. My cat, Robin, seems to stare at nothing in corners and sometimes even gets a big tail, starts hissing at these empty corners. Ever since all that happened, my TV has this weird thing where it turns itself back on after I turn it off. It's only when I take the plug out of the socket that it stays off. All these things seem to only happen half past midnight and half past one. The most horrible thing is I can hear her screaming when it's silent around me. I called my doctor about this because I thought I was going insane. She referred me to a team of therapists. After countless hours of talks and sessions, they confirmed that I suffer from no form of delusion, hallucinations, psychosis, or any other mental illness that could cause me to experience all this. But I still do. She still screams at me. Last night, January 2nd, 2023, I heard her screaming and banging again. When I went to bed and shut the lights off, I kept having this feeling like someone was standing next to my bed watching me. And so, I decided today, January 3rd, that I would write down this experience and share it in hopes that she may find some rest in the knowledge that she won't be forgotten. Since we never got a name, I simply call her the Screaming Woman. May she rest in peace. I'll start this by saying I'm not into supernatural experiences, and I never gave them much thought until my own experience. This is 100% true, and I would swear on any religion or dead relative that what I say is the honest truth. I grew up in a very old home. It was built in 1929 by a well-known Spanish revival architect, and the area back then was pretty much all agricultural. This particular home was the place built to house the family that owned the citrus orchids in a 10-block radius. Since it was an orchid home, it has some quirks like a built-in trash furnace chute, full basement, which they use for cold produce storage, and some truly stellar hiding spots. We moved there when I was six years old. To understand the story, I'll give description of the layout where my story takes place. The home has what some might call a grand entrance hall, complete with a grand staircase. It wraps around the three walls. The top of the main stairwell is shaped like a giant square. You get to the top landing and you follow the giant square walkway around to the rooms consisting of my sister's and my hallway, which has my bedroom, my sister's bedroom, our shared bathroom, and our parents' master suite at the end of the walkway. 
Pretty much you have to walk past our hallway to reach my parents' bedroom. My sister's and my hallway can be closed off from the main stairwell walkway by shutting a door with the lock. Note, if you don't lock the door, it won't stay shut as it always swings slightly ajar. Like I said, it's an old home and they have their quirks. The lock was on the inside so only someone in my hallway could unlock it. In other words, no lock access from the main stairwell. When I stayed at home alone, I always locked the hallway door. I was never scared in my home, but it felt better to have that extra layer of protection anyway. To the point, when I was nearing graduation of high school, I was at home alone. My sister had gone to college years before, and my parents were on a weekend vacation to the mountains, which are only an hour and a half drive from our location. It wasn't unusual for them to leave for the weekend since I was already 18 and responsible. I never drank to get drunk, never used drugs, etc. Sometimes I'd have my best friend come over and we'd watch movies or have the soccer team come over to swim. Nothing ever got crazy and my friends were always polite and never left a mess so my parents didn't mind if I had people over when they were out of town. On this particular evening, I was alone because I had a soccer tournament the next morning. Now, my bedroom door was on the far left side of the same wall as my headboard, from where my head was on my pillow and laying on the left side of my body. My sightline is directly at the space where people would walk into my room. That evening, I was sleeping and woke up to roll over. Nothing crazy in that I usually do wake up a few times every night to adjust, but... That evening, I rolled over, and with sleepy eyes, I saw a figure in the doorway. In my sleep haze, I recognized details of this person. He was wearing overalls that had stains on the knees, was wearing a white shirt with the sleeves rolled up. His hair was mid-length dark with loose curls in them. Now, here's the kicker. He waved. Not like a normal wave, but what I call a tinkle wave. The kind where your fingers go down slightly one after the other and you repeat the pattern. He waved a tinkle wave at me. I closed my eyes thinking it had to be some weird sleep thing where dream world and reality meet. I opened my eyes and he was gone. The truly bizarre thing was I wasn't frightened in any capacity. If anything, there was a sense of calm. I talked it up to a weird dream, and that was that. The next morning, I woke up, got ready for soccer, unlocked the hallway door, and went downstairs, and went to my soccer game. Business as usual. I never mentioned it to anyone, because who would care? It was a weird dream. No one had been there since the door had been locked. Fast forward to six years after the weird dream. My sister was getting married, and one of her bridesmaids, Allie, was from out of state. My family had known Allie for years, so rather than her pay for a hotel, she stayed with us. Since I was on break from college for the wedding, I was staying at my parents' as well. My sister's room was a wreck with wedding chaos, 
so I cleaned up my old room for Allie to stay in while I stayed in my sister's old room. The morning of the wedding, I drove Allie, Sarah, another local bridesmaid, and myself down to the venue to get ready. It was about an hour's drive to the venue from my parents' home, and we talked about our old high school, current life stuff, etc. We were about halfway to the venue when Allie mentioned about not getting a great night's sleep. Being a good hostess, I asked what was wrong and if there was anything she needed since she would be staying in my room for a few more nights before leaving. I'll never forget this part. She said, No, it was fine, but the guy in your room wouldn't go away. He just kept waving. Y'all... I almost swerved into the freeway rail barrier. I asked her to explain what she meant. Allie told me she woke up around 3 a.m. because her phone dinged in alert. She looked at the doorway and saw a man standing there. He looked at her for a minute then waved, the tinkle wave. She mimicked the wave to me exactly. By that point, I must have been pale as a sheet. She then went on to describe his appearance. She described him with the same details as my own, except added he had a bandana in the lower side pocket of his overalls. After this, she and Sarah could obviously see I was pretty rattled. I told them I had seen him years before in the same place with the same details. As I said before, I had never mentioned this to anyone. Why would I? It was a dream. Allie then told me she's sensitive to spirits. She had many encounters and can feel their energy. As I stated before, I had never believed in any of this stuff prior to this. She then told me not to worry because he was a benign spirit and just wanted to make his presence known. This matched my own interaction because I never once felt threatened which normally wouldn't be the case with a strange man in my bedroom while I'm home alone. I remember seeing him and thinking I should feel frightened, but I never was. After the wedding festivities and after Allie had left, I asked my mom if she had ever seen anything one might consider supernatural in the house in the years since we had lived there. She's a well-educated ER doctor with no-nonsense attitude. She told me that she's come home from the hospital a few times, always the 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. shift, when she generally wouldn't get home till 3 a.m. after finishing up charts. She said she had seen a shadow man move between my sister and my hallway door. I asked if she had ever felt frightened after seeing it, and she said no, that she always felt nonplussed. I told her about my dream and what Allie had seen. Honestly, she didn't react much besides telling me to stay on good terms with it. Since that first experience, I saw him twice more. Both of these sightings being in my sister's bedroom, one at the right side foot of her bed and the other on the left side of her bed. The last time he didn't wave though. After my mom's revelation, I checked my phone after seeing him and both sightings were between 3 to 4 a.m. time frame. I don't know what it is or who or why, but it's happened too many times for me to believe it's not real. I named him Felipe, 
and when random stuff happened in the house I couldn't explain, like my hat falling from the top of my lamp with no window open or anything touching it besides the lamp, I would just say, Hi, Felipe, just as to not piss him off. What scares me most to this day is how quickly my mind shifted from these are make-believe stories to the spirit exists in my home and he wants to be known. What else is out there that we can't see or explain? There are a few other supernatural stories in this house, but those are my sisters, so I don't want to write a story that isn't mine. I'm happy to say my husband and my home so far has no tenants besides ourselves and our dogs. For as long as I can remember, I've had an interest in the spiritual world and thought it would be cool to communicate with the dead. So back in 2014, my mom was browsing around the local Facebook buying selling group and she came across someone selling a used Ouija board. It caught her attention because it was a glow-in-the-dark limited edition, and she decided to buy it for me. She'd remembered playing with one as a child and thought I'd enjoy it too since we talked about it in the past. My mom then contacted the seller, who would stop by to drop off the board. It was one of those stormy, gloomy, almost spooky days when the guy came to the house to bring us the board. As soon as I saw it, I got a bad vibe. Once the guy left, I told my mom, I don't feel safe using that. I want to do some research first. My mom was surprised at my reaction because, before this point, I'd been interested in playing with it. I ended up surfing the web, watching YouTube videos, and hearing many stories most of which were bad, which made me feel uncomfortable about trying the Ouija board. My mom ended up packing it away in a box on our porch, where it stayed for many years. This brings us to the spring of 2022. By now, I'd gotten really interested in the paranormal. I had learned a lot more about Ouija boards and how dangerous they could be. So, I reached out to my mom and asked, Remember that Ouija board you put on the porch years ago? I think you need to get rid of it, because I heard that just having one in the house can bring on bad luck and negative energy. It's weird, because since moving to this house in 2014, we hadn't had a lot of good experiences. She replied, Oh, I actually got rid of it the last time I reorganized the porch. So, let's fast forward to summer. I am back at my mom's house. I go to school in a different part of the country, but return to her house in the summer. Once back there, I started hearing strange stuff in my bedroom, like whispering. I thought perhaps it was just the air conditioner, but it honestly sounded like voices, and I never heard anything of the sort until that summer. I also sensed that the Ouija board was still in the house. I decided to go look for it on the porch. That's when I see the Ouija box tucked away in a clear storage bin. I grabbed it and brought it to my mom. As we looked in the box, we both noticed it was different. The board and the box looked like new. When we opened it, 
The planchette was still in its own separate wrap. That was not how we remembered the board. When my mom got it from the guy, it had been used. The box had some wear and tear, and the planchette wasn't wrapped in anything. At this point, we're both weirded out and just wanted that thing out of the house. I'd heard that Ouija boards could come back and change if you don't properly dispose of them. For the time being, we put it in our backyard because we weren't sure how to get rid of it. We wanted it out of the house, but leaving it on our property wasn't a smart move on our part. Bad things started happening. The first thing was when my father got into a minor car accident. This was the only time in his life he's been in an accident in all his 45 years of driving. Next, our basement flooded. Town sewage backed up into the basement. Nasty, I know. Before this, we had a dry basement, which had only gotten wet once due to someone leaving a window open during a bad storm. The third thing was when we had a handyman come over, and the guy almost fell through our basement stairs. He wasn't hurt, but it really scared my mom. She ended up getting the stairs replaced, even though it was very expensive. Then, another thing happened to my dad, which proved to be the scariest of all. There was a big fire in his apartment building. Multiple units were destroyed, including the one right above him. Thankfully, no one was injured. His unit did suffer some water damage, so he was forced to move out. It would take at least six months for renovations to his apartment, so he couldn't move back in it right away. One final thing happened while the Ouija board was still in the backyard. My mom and I noticed we didn't have any hot water, so we went to the basement and discovered the water heater wasn't working. We tried to reset it, but couldn't get it back on. A repairman came to check it out and told us that the unit had overheated. Fortunately, there was a safety setting that shut it off before it got dangerously hot. He then explained that the water heater's thermostat was faulty, or it should have never have gotten that hot. If the safety switch hadn't shut it off, it could have blown up. We were very lucky. One thing I noticed is that even with all these close calls, no one was harmed. It was almost as if someone or something was watching out for us. After that last thing happened with the hot water heater, my mom and I agreed that we needed to get that Ouija board off of our property. It seemed to be bringing us bad luck, and we worried that things might even get worse. Even my dad was having bad luck, although my parents were divorced, and he never lived in the house with us. My mom decided to get rid of the board. She planned to bring it to the town dump. She had separated the board from the planchette, so she could toss them in two different garbage bins at the dump. As my mom was driving to the dump, she noticed something odd. At a neighbor's down the street, there was a hearse parked in the driveway. A vintage hearse from the 1970s. She texted me about it and said, That's weird, but people do buy old hearses sometimes. 
My mom then disposed of the Ouija board at the dump and headed home. On her way back, she drove past the neighbor's house and saw that the hearse was gone. There was only a dumpster that had been sitting in the driveway. My mom had never seen a hearse in the neighbor's driveway before that day and hasn't seen one since. The neighbor's driveway was too short for both a hearse and a dumpster to be parked. Later that week, my mom and I were at Barnes & Noble and decided to have a coffee at the Starbucks there. Guess what we saw. When we dropped off our serving tray, tucked away near the milk and sugar, was a Ouija board. I know they sell them at Barnes & Noble, and I guess someone could have left it there, but it still totally freaked us out. I know this video is entitled Eight True Scary Stories, but I'm going to include one bonus story. This story is as follows. Hi, I'm Sam, and this is my story. I was moving into college in 2014, about the same time my girlfriend and I got together. And for my college, I rented an apartment close to the college grounds. It was not a bad place to live. It was a typical apartment. Despite our friends saying the apartment was haunted, we didn't believe in the paranormal. We just laughed it off and said, Guys, come on. What the hell could happen? It's just an apartment. I now regret those words leaving my mouth, as my friends were correct. One cold December evening, two months after we moved up, I noticed something weird. Almost every night, I'd wake up at about 2 a.m. for no reason. I was confused as I'm a pretty heavy sleeper and not usually easy to wake up. I always felt cold and scared when it happened. Then one night, I had a dream. A very realistic dream. I woke up at 2 a.m. I went to the kitchen to get a glass of water and when I went back to my room, my girlfriend, let's call her Angela for privacy reasons, was floating, body limp, head looking down. Babe? When she looked up and I saw her face, I went out of my mind. She had the hugest of smiles on her face. Hello, Sam. Her voice was distorted. She straightened her spine. All her bones seemed to crack in this motion, and I screamed as loud as I could. Then I woke up. Angela was sleeping like a baby. I brushed it off as a dream. Just a dream. I fell back asleep and forgot about the incident. But it didn't stop there. Almost nine months later, Angela was on a vacation with her family, and I just got home from school. But something felt off. It was cold. It was silent. I walked to our bedroom, and I could not believe my eyes. She was in the same position, floating in the air. Hello, dear. You thought I wouldn't come back. I was freaking terrified. The door slammed shut behind me and the spirit zoomed at me and pinned me against it. She laughed maniacally. 
You thought you could escape? The spirit said in a loud, demonic, and distorted voice. I have no shame in admitting I pissed myself right then and there. Then I thought of a plan. Well, hello, master. I spoke. I kneeled. How lovely it is to see you. At that moment, with the spirit caught off guard, I ran. I didn't stop until I was at my friend's place. Apparently, a woman had died in that exact apartment. It's said her spirit haunts it to this day. Needless to say, I moved out, and I'm always researching a home before I buy it. But I escaped. And that will conclude tonight's eight true scary stories with a bonus attached at the end. I hope you are sleeping peacefully. Until then, I will read to you all later. Good night.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.